This is Rise of the Flying Guillotine. Welcome back to Rise of the Flying Guillotine, or welcome for the first time, depending on how you're arriving to this lovely venue. This is my third try at recording something for my podcast this week. Uh, My first was okay. It was not... There was nothing wrong with it. I had every intention of finishing up editing it. In fact, it had some things that I rather enjoyed editing. And I will probably look back and see if I can find ways to get it into later episodes. Then I did one on May 30th, late at night, after the world was burning. And it was awfully bummed out, and I'm not sure that it offered anything that wasn't just one more guy being bummed out about what was going on. And whereas, at this point, my podcast is simply one guy talks about something, so that fits my format so much as there is one, but it just didn't feel like I I wanted to do that. I felt like there needed to be something better. I'm going to offer up a story to begin with. I am going to get to uh, a couple things about uh, pop culture and media that might be more in the vein of what I expected my podcast to be about and what I still largely expect it to be about in the future uh, later on, but I wanted to start with some sort of personal stuff. Uh, I am naturally anti-authoritarian. You could certainly ask my mother about that. I don't think there was a time that that wasn't true. Uh, Starting in kindergarten, uh, she worked really hard to try to get me into different schools because I did had trouble acclimatizing to the environment of them. I, I do really well in a class that I'm interested in and do really poorly in one that I'm not. That was true then, it's true now. Uh, I didn't have ADD, like I said in the previous episode. I am most likely on the uh, autism spectrum, which is similar in many ways but not the same. I probably, I I did okay in terms of getting through the part that I was just bored and whatever, but the part where somebody just tells me I have to sit down, I have to do this, just never rubbed me the right way. I didn't do very well, you know, at home. That's not limited to school. My relationship with my parents was largely defined uh, by that and the in both positive and negative ways in terms of how we dealt with each other. Um, my dad was certainly the same type of person and he had we had our struggles and a lot of those were in part because he had had worse parenting by a substantial distance than, than I had. Uh, and he tried really hard but uh, like most of us are in some way bound to struggle against 
the ways in which other people have taught us the world works, which for many people is the abuses that they were had put it on them as children that they learned were how you treat people as just natural. Um, it's why those patterns can be hard to break. And all of us, I think, try to do them one step at a time. But I say this because I am a person who's not naturally inclined toward sympathy with authority figures, uh, which would include quite prominently um, the police, who are centered in our stage today. I, I, I'm not openly, mostly, I'm not openly hostile uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. If, if, you know, I'm at big gatherings, I smile and nod. Uh, I, I have traditionally smiled and nodded at police officers as a courtesy uh, from one human being to another. I feel today unlikely to do that going forward. Uh, I have a uh, autistic daughter, Peggy, and I mentioned that before. Uh, in general, I, I try not to give away information beyond just cursory, less than public details about her here, uh, as such is my plan. Uh, but that seems relevant, especially, uh, that seems an important part of our life, especially in terms of that being likely to be something that has passed along through my, my family, uh, from my father, who again, uh, that was probably another reason why he had a difficult family life. Um, if I were to guess, I would say also my, my grandfather, uh, possibly other elements of the family, but I would, would speculate that, but that would be a much wilder guess, because I was, I was a child when he passed. Um, but as a white person in uh, America, I, I was torn on the idea of whether or not it was acceptable for me to teach Peggy to feel safe with with police officers, uh, to, to go to them in situations of danger. And Ray, at that time, early in Peggy's development, had uh, been fairly strong that that was worthy of being an exception, even though we weren't happy with how, with where that put us as part of society. At that point in Peggy's development, Ray was more comfortable with it. Uh, Ray works a lot of, worked at that time, a lot of events and uh, talked to police uh, who were also doing, working at the events. Uh, like South by Southwest, things like that. We were living in Austin at the time. And there are a number of bat vest and stuff. So, so they were more comfortable in principle with the idea that we would 
uh, do that we might teach Peggy that uh, starting out because of their different relationship with police although we were both uncomfortable with the feeling that that was something that we were taking that wasn't necessarily reasonable but the question of whether or not it would keep Peggy safe was the most important thing and as Peggy developed and was slower in speech development she's not nonverbal but is verbally delayed and remains there she's smart as fuck I promise you but it's not always in a, in a verbal way which is something that I who have always tended toward the end of the spectrum which was traditionally called Asperger's have always been over-verbal. So would have had trouble understanding that prior to living with someone who expresses their intelligence so differently. And so that's been an interesting lesson for me. But increasingly we saw stories in the in the news um, I, I could look them up, but I'm not going to today. Uh, I'm just not feeling it. Uh, about children, uh, autistic children who were, you know, killed or uh, otherwise injured by police who didn't know anything. And there were rulings, although I think they were state rulings, but we were still concerned about it, most especially because at that time we were in Texas. But certainly there are concerns with the Seattle police and the last few days have only heightened that here. But we had decided that because of that, that we definitely couldn't even consider that we had that privilege to to lean on if if we wanted to, that that was not something that was available to us. That telling our child that these public servants uh, who our tax dollars pay for as well as everyone else's um, were uh, you know like so many other people of different races uh, we're, we're not safe for us to, to to lean on and we're not safe for our, our child uh, any more than it was for, for anyone else, for other people's children to to see, to seek out for for help, that there was always the possibility that she would get nervous, that she would melt down, that uh, or that she simply wouldn't have the words available to her to say uh, what she needed to 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 protect herself or you know uh, to explain what she needed in order to get safety from them. Uh, we we have successfully taught her to, this week uh, to say uh, hands up, don't shoot. As someone who was never particularly trustful of police, that still makes me sad as a thing that I'm teaching my child as the thing you say to police. But I do not believe that she is safe uh, with any other instruction. So that's where I'm coming from uh, as I watch all this. Um, 
as I watch the world fall apart, or, you know, as I watch the country fall apart, my country. I keep wanting to note, I'm watching TV news uh, during this, and regretting it, remembering why I've given it up for so many, many years, why it's such a torture to my eyes and ears. And why I think that it's um, a cancer upon our society. Uh, it, it, it truly is the, the, the absolute worst. Um, and probably I need to avoid that, except that it's hard because that's the easiest place to run to when you're trying to get, you know, the current information at any moment. So I don't know the answer there. Uh, it's making me depressed as fuck, though. Um, not because, not just because of what they're saying, but just the way that they feed it to us. I, I, I feel like there's so much, like, the, the fact that they struggle to to recognize that there's uh, that there are larger issues anytime that there's one issue, uh, such as the fact that this might be a reaction to um, the murder of George Floyd. It uh, that remains the straw that broke the camel's back, which is bizarre to say about uh, a murder uh, that it's just that last minor thing and that people had borne so much prior to that uh, but it certainly is and, and, and I want to recognize I am saying all of that about where I'm coming from and, uh, and, and I don't mean that to be me I apologize Profusely to anyone who thought that I came across as I was centering myself uh, and not the African-American community. Uh, I am, am showing my window in, and I know that their pain is, is much greater. I, I, I know that, whereas I know that there is danger with Peggy, I don't feel that with, for example, everyone in my life. Uh, all of my family it, 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 it's a specific and, and rare and new thing uh, which is why it's interesting to me in a sense and that's not something that I suppose is interesting to the vast majority of African Americans in anywhere near the same way so I, I I want to make sure that I'm wholly acknowledging that fact and I've looked at a number of things and I've retweeted some I, I got on tweet at Twitter on Friday night Friday night when this first fucking started I got back on Twitter Instagram has been fucking with me over my links to this podcast I suspect because it's called Flying Guillotine. 
uh, but I get no response. And that's the reason right now that I'm just leaving it, because whenever I just take it down, that it's down, and they don't care. They don't have any way of responding, any normal way of responding. So it's just, at this point, a waiting game. So it's not very... So I thought, okay, well, I need somewhere to go and put up links to my podcast, and I put it up, and whatever, I'll go back on Twitter, and of course, I did it Friday night. I didn't go back on on Twitter Friday night, I apologize. I had a Twitter for this that I was going to use just to put stuff up, and just to have, like, a place that I could just hang up links, uh, and had a, like, tweeted five things and not followed anyone. <laughs> uh... For, for months, uh, as I sort of conceived the idea that I might do something here. And then I... So then I decided I was going to use that, and I started following, you know, friends and accounts that I used to follow. And, uh... And all of this happened. So that was interesting. But among those were things that I ran into that were talking about movies and TV and the ways those have glamorized police and taught us that police are ultimately good even when they're committing evil. And you know, I mean rogue cops and whatnot. We can get into a good discussion. You know, the best of these works, Dirty Harry, for example, uh, it clearly is supposed to be more complicated than just lionizing Harry. And on its own, it does that. I think by the time you get to, say, Magnum Force, which I think is a really good movie, but it you know, rehumanizes him, it fully dimensionalizes his our sympathies to him even though he's a person that we previously already knew tortures people. And we see that, you know, time and again over over time, you know, that we're our sympathy if if nothing else, even in things that we're generally told that it's wrong, we're still offered that as the sympathy and rarely see a different perspective on that type of thing. And this is where I know I'm losing a certain level of the people that I've traditionally, I'm a pulp movie, action movie guy, and I have watched movies with all of these things and, and worse probably than any of you guys not any of you but then tons of people listening um, and, and and I don't regret that I'm, I'm gonna do it again I mean <laughs> um I've got to tell you, I have Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man uh, by Ruggiero Diodato. 
I have it right here. I regret that I didn't wait for the Blu-ray, but I have the DVD, and I love it. And and it is the most deplorable representation of police and their abuse. Uh, if you try to take it literally, although it's almost impossible to do so. I, I, I'm not sure. I don't know anyone who knows if you're supposed to take it as a serious movie or as a parody. Um, I'm, I'm trying to... I, I almost don't. I would rather not know because it kind of works as both at once. And I'm not going to accidentally turn this into a review again. I'm just going to tell you that that is the extreme of that, and I am—I remain a fan. But I feel like the media that we consume is our diet. The stories we tell ourselves and we tell each other, they're not meaningless. There are a group of people who will make the issue how much violence is in something or how many fucking goddamn swears there are in it shit like that uh, how much sex there is and, and try to quantify that to become a metric by which you can gauge the morality of um, the, the movie and I don't think any of that is, is accurate at all uh, I think that there are. I I, I think that the, I don't think that that means very much at all, if, if if anything. But I think that what the story is telling you is meaningful. I think that what the story is is something that our brain uses. What the lesson is, and I think our brain is constantly learning lessons from stories. That's exactly how our brains function. And we process things into stories. You're walking down the street and somebody punches you in the face for no reason. And you get to work and then you have a story. And your whole story will be you processing it. So, i got to tell you, I was walking down the street and somebody just walked up and they just punched me. But you'll probably develop that further. You'll be like, I was walking down the street and there was this tall dude. I think he was like over six feet. And he... It was kind of bulky, but not that much. And he was a little, I didn't think he was that shady looking. And just, uh, as we were passing each other, he just rears into me. It was the craziest thing that ever happened. And, and all of this is you making sense of it, and then you explaining the sense to the other person, and you're taking the bits and pieces. And, and all of that is what you're, you're doing. And that's the same thing. It's the same as... You know, I accidentally got this stuff on the tip of my arrow, and then I shot a deer, and it died instantly. Isn't that crazy? Do you suppose that this must be poisonous? Or, I was thinking. And, and that's all of us processing things through stories. So stories are powerful. The things, the specifics of what happens, whether there's violence in it or whether there's, you know, uh, 
people singing doesn't really have anything to do with, with whether or not, with what the message of it is. And I've become really conscious of that of late. We, we live in a world where there are thousands and thousands of movies for us to, to watch. Uh, I've given all sorts of comparisons. But really, you could just, you could watch... Did I do it on the last podcast? You could watch, you know, the movies that already exist forever now. Uh, and they're going to keep pumping these things out in one form or another. So I keep thinking about what my regular diet is in terms of it as I would like a diet. Like that there are certain things that for me are cotton candy or Everclear. And, and that's not to say that I won't ever have them. Uh, I'm not going to have any Everclear, but I might have movie versions of Everclear. Um, I'm much rougher on that part of my consumption, I admit. And probably will stay that way, but I, but I work hard at trying to build up what I'm watching around that. Because I think that if you are consuming the occasional garbage, and I think that it's fair that whereas your doctor might say, don't, probably shouldn't ever have cotton candy or Everclear, they're probably also going to say, there's not a likelihood if you're eating a good healthy diet and throw those in responsibly that you'll be and again, I feel like there are there you know uh, there are things that have lessons that are more enriching, and that there are things that are fun and cool that have lessons that are that are so enriching. It, so I, I, it's not like I think that this is the end that this is or has been the end of my watching things of that nature, or even my the end of my watching things of that nature in in the scheme of uh, of the types of movies I'm just conscious I just try to be aware of what the lessons are as I'm watching them and, and try to look into what the lessons I suspect things are going to have more often uh, because here's the thing from my perspective, I have a letterboxed watch list that's stupid long. Yeah, it's six six thousand movies. And I, I I know for a fact. I I mean, if I I'm not gonna watch all those in my lifetime. Uh, which you could say that's a complete waste of your time to maintain that list, and especially when you know that you're gonna add more shit to it. Well, yeah. I mean, sort of. Probably. I could probably hone it down, but on the other hand, it's a good way of finding things for me. It's a good way for me to find things that I, I want. So I'm not hurting for things with that I think potentially have lessons nor am I lacking in movies that I love 
or am interested in that, that I think ultimately turn out to have messages that are what I think we as a society need more of. I, I started watching Tarantino movies this year. I was watching, I was reading, I was reading You're Not Listening by Kate Murphy. And I, I started thinking about how Aaron Sorkin stories are to me the opposite of what we should be watching. They are all about people getting in with their thoughts and not listening. Our protagonist, this is always good. I, I feel like there's some complexity to that with Robert Altman, who I suspect is is on the list of people, although I haven't followed that Aaron Sorkin would, would quote as reasons, but his characters are always just trying to get one word in over the other. And what's interesting is, whereas Quentin Tarantino seems like he's all about what people are saying, uh, he's he's actually all about the people who are listening. He's all, The importance of the fact that people are saying them is always the fact that people are listening to it. And learning from it and, and, and studying it. The number of shots that exist that are just people, that are stories, that are monologues, that the majority of it is told from the angle of the person listening is, is very high. You, you think it's all about people saying cool lines, but it's really all about other people listening to them. So that's become an important part of my diet. I think listening is something that we need to be doing. I think that I think there's a degree of, of realism to put in of people occasionally talking over each other and to be clever, but because we do that in real life. But I think that we've become a society that puts too many things that does that hyperactively beyond the scope of what real humans do or can do. Our, our brains are only so fast and coming up with responses and everything. What feels like it's fast and snappy in that moment is nothing like a movie. And again, movies have to be a little faster and snappier to recreate life. But, you know, um, that eventually snaps back and we try to imitate it again. And and what I've learned, and I, and I say that as someone for whom listening is a difficult skill and one that I've I've struggled with my whole life and, and I'm only beginning to get a grasp on it so I'm not being critical without being without examining so that's my my example my my example that comes out of my life that I think of. Uh, the other one that comes to me is uh, that it came to me recently and that's in part because I've been looking at this subject in part because it's 
where my head is at creatively. But uh, I think the I think Rockford Files is really good, not for listening, but he is a he solves crimes, but he is not a police officer. He's not a servant of the law. He's a servant of justice, but he's also really, really close to a pacifist. I mean, philosophically, he is obviously a pacifist, and he's really clo- close to it in practice as well, which I guess is the important thing that I'm trying to say. He ultimately does things because he's trying to help people. It's the running gag of the show that people aren't paying him well and aren't getting around to paying him and whatever, but ultimately he does things because he's a good guy and people need help. There are, you know, other gags. I mention these to say that they are, that I think a lot of how we get so much of the wrong things is that we learn the wrong lessons. I think that you have the Howard Hawks begets Robert Altman. Robert Altman might be my favorite director, so I'm not picking on him for any of you. I, I think and this will tie it all together, and I haven't gotten around to rewatching it since I've been in the mode of this, even though I watch it all the time. I'm thinking that The Long Goodbye is probably hovering at being my favorite movie at this point, and or would be if I were still inclined that that was a thing that I needed to define. The Blade by Choi Hark also hovers around there. It's always been A Clockwork Orange by Stanley Kubrick, for those who are wondering. I feel like that's a little bit who I was previously, but I haven't watched it in quite a while either. Um, When I think too much on that movie and put it on my brain, it, it oftentimes brings up the reasons why I admire it so much and why it means so much to me, which makes it difficult to then go, oh no, oh yeah, that's right, it's some other fucking thing. So I should probably sit down and uh, and think that, I'd, you know, if I, if, I, if I cared, I would need to sit down and figure all that out. I say this not specifically to review those works as specifically positive, but just to say that I'm on the quest of... That those are things that are fun. That are that have elements, that have pieces that are what I'm looking at when I'm being creative and when I'm looking at what stories I want to tell. I think... And I'm really determined that I am out there and I'm going to tell my stories. I had fallen off being determined. I would play at it and talk about it and 
say I was going to and think I was going to and say I was recommitting to it, but I feel like I have recently recommitted to it because I believe that we need to find more ways to tell stories that are specific to what we have to say. I think this is more important than ever in a world in which people are, in which we have so much more media and hardly any of it has anything interesting to say. Anything unique to say. I feel like people talk about how many TV shows there are now to watch. That there's this glut. And part of the reason there's a glut is because so many of them are good. Or somebody thinks they're good. So it's just a matter of which one's good for me. The problem is that a vast majority of them are just really good. They, they aren't speaking to people. I'm sure some of them are to some people, and that's my point, and that's sort of important. That I think even more shows, maybe a lot more smaller shows, cheaper shows, that are smaller and weirder and Cassavetes and Troma and whatever fucking mumblecore idiots and whatever things. M my generation broke into indie movies and it sort of broke open the whole concept of indie movies. There had been this previous generation that had had created a thing. I suspect they were mostly technically my generation in terms of being Gen X, but people like Jim Jarmusch and Spike Lee had made these movies in the 80s that had a, a indie feel, and, and for the most part, those maintain some degree of that flavor into their careers, even though they've both done larger movies by a certain degree. They clearly all have an authorial... They mostly have that authorial quality, and I would say that of most of those people, and again, those people are, you know, ten years older than me or so, by and large. But the people my age that came around, you know, like, after Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, Kevin Smith kind of thing, that kind of pivots, and that's where you see more people that switched over after that to like I made my indie movie and that was my resume and now I get to make Soulless Drek. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to name out people. I certainly, if you are like, oh, but my favorite guy made an indie movie and he, you know, now makes the coolest ones, then, then great. Uh, I, I'm, I don't have anybody in mind, so I don't mean your guy. Your guy could be the exception to the direct thing. I think there are people who have managed to work within the studio budget even in recent times and uh, keep an authorial voice, like I said. I think uh, Spike Lee largely has. 
Jim Jarmusch has made larger movies, but I don't think any of them could really be defined as a studio movie, could it? I really feel like people living in, in indie movies, uh, again, having that be sort of the goal to make unique and special things that speak to a specific audience. Uh, whether that audience, whether that message is 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 to what degree that's clear or not is is important uh, and this probably sounds like I've wavered way off track of what I was talking about originally with killer cops and whatnot I'm certainly not talking about killer cop by Luciano Ercoli either what I mean is that the messages that we keep repeating on and on without thinking are the things that we each learn from the previous generation and tell in a way that's less personal because it's a copy and, and in some way and that doesn't it doesn't always have to be that as as you know certainly I've, I've just said a lot of positive things about Quentin Tarantino and that's uh, the top criticism of him is that he's one of those people and I guess that's where I would say I think that that would be similar I think similar things could be said in different kinds of ways about the Coen brothers and they're another one that I would say that they aren't that they are bringing that the flavor that they bring along with that is a personal message I don't find in some other works that are made, especially ones that are made, you know, by people who go to, to studios. They have a tendency to, to water down the personal edge. And that can oftentimes make things look prettier and sell more tickets. But it, it oftentimes means that you're telling a, a story that means something that you don't think that you... Want, that you wouldn't think that you would want to teach people because you're not thinking of it from there. You're just thinking of recreating the thing that you saw that was cool. Uh, and I've seen a lot of things that I thought were cool that I don't know are stories that I want to retell. So being aware that I have... You know, you can you can take things from previous cases and 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 repurpose them for for things. Spaghetti westerns, and and I started the year meaning to watch spaghetti westerns for this more spaghetti westerns for this exact reason, uh, which turned into watching more westerns, uh, which I'm fine with. But part of the purpose of these spaghetti westerns, and one of the reasons that I need to get back to it, is because so many of them have messages that I approve of. Although some of them are just trashy revenge movies. It's complicated. I'm complicated. But if you have something like The Great Silence or Once Upon a Time in the West, then they're obviously repurposing the types of stories that Leone and Corbucci had had seen, had grown up with, and uh, and using them toward a different end with a different message, um, in some cases because they purposely 
wanted to subvert that. And in other cases, because they just... That was what they had when they... That was what was in their brain. <laughs> and uh, sometimes creative people are creative enough or hard-headed enough or smart enough or whichever traits in whatever circumstance that they can force those things through or that they're foolish enough and don't realize that they put them there. And probably everyone's a little of all of those things, but... When I watch... TV news, and there's a there's a blanket assumption that cops are good, that police forces are good. Things that I, as an anarchist, not as an anarchist in terms of wanting to burn the country down, but an anarchist in terms of believing that there is a utopia, or that every era is a utopia from the perspective of the last, I guess, depending on where you block out an era. <laughs> um, and, and that it's our goal as humans to keep half in the distance. And, and maybe that means you don't ever get to a thing that you call utopia, but it means that you just keep pushing things forward. And from, from that perspective, that's how I look at that not as we need to burn everything down but that eventually that's where you get to it's not Mad Max anarchy it's Star Trek anarchy and if you don't know that that's true on Star Trek then you haven't been paying enough attention you should watch it again uh, I started watching it part of it was one of the things that I was feeding myself I was watching a bunch of Star Trek The Next Generation when the pandemic a little after the pandemic started. And that helped. I should go back to it. it that felt good. Um, it felt good, especially because I had watched Star Trek Picard. I believe that it was my soothing balm that I gave myself after watching Star Trek Picard, in which I I still liked all the characters and performers very much, but wasn't, but did not feel that it gave me that nourishing story about that I wanted, that I, that I craved, and that I had felt like I had gotten from the first three Star Trek series. And that I feel like was reasonably attempted in the next two and that I had other issues with that I'm probably never going to get into on here unless, you know, somebody pays me to rewatch them or something. The problem, as I see it, in terms of everyone making other things is that the drive to make things at a certain level or to achieve a thing that we would call... Uh, that society calls success 
continues to drive people forward to make things that don't represent them that just represent a smoothed out version of the thing that they liked and that satisfies people in suits and I think we could all be doing something else I, I know that there are always issues of survival and thriving that are questionable, especially if you are looking potentially at doing things like movie making that cost a lot of money. It's the thing that comes up time and again, and that it always means that you're going to make a certain amount of compromises. I think too many of us have made too many of the wrong compromises, and we have ended up in a place where stories are not serving us. And in this case, it means that we're seeing a lot of cases in which people who don't necessarily themselves feel as, as strongly confident in policing as television repeatedly tells us we should be, or movies continually tell us to be, even if they're saying that it's complicated, it's still ultimately necessary and important. Perhaps some of us could be doing more to look at things from much different perspectives that I don't know that multi-billion dollar corporations are capable of doing, are capable of accepting. I, I think they will always shave it down so that it never really means anything that subversive even when you can leave the theater and sort of pretend it did. And again, I'm not good at keeping my... I'm not good at keeping a healthy diet to eat, and I'm not personally that... I'm, I'm only learning at nearly 50 years old the concept of not just consuming cotton candy and Everclear for my soul every time. I'm not just learning, it's it's a relearning. I had gone through a period where perhaps my life was such that I didn't know how to consume anything but cotton candy and Everclear for my mind. And so I'm relearning to, to really dig into some of the other things. Uh, that's sort of been my year, and I think that that was one of the reasons that I went back to Westerns, is because they were important in that, um, in including and especially in how they were rethought and in how those spaghetti Westerns, as well as uh, movies by, by Peckinpah and people of that generation in... America also uh, reinvigorated what you could theoretically do and say with that genre, recognizing that they also don't always say and do the things that I... They sometimes say and do other things that I'm not necessarily trying to tell myself, and that's worth knowing as well. So I think in the state of mind that I'm in, I doubt I'm going to get any more clear on all this, um, getting later at night, and it's been a long weekend, 
for most of the world. <laughs> um, for me, and I'm sure for most of you as well. So, hopefully a somewhat normalized world will appear and I will feel more comfortable speaking of something more, of something lighter going forward, but for now, this is what it is. This is the world. Uh, like I said, you know, everyone... Uh, I didn't credit on the... I didn't verbally credit Skyhawk Beach uh, by Blue Wave Theory, who I quote a little bit in my... who I play a brief clip of in my opening. I wanted to do that. And as long as I use that, I will con I will start remembering to include that. It is on a Creative Commons. I am including that on my website at riseoftheflankguillotine.blogspot.com for now, uh, as well as the show description. And I'll continue to do that, uh, offer the, uh, the, the credit, and put it on the episodes uh, going forward as well. I'm not sure that I'm going to continue to... I'm not sure if I'm using that forever or if I'm going to continue to mix things up on a regular basis or if I will seek out uh, or create my own piece at some point or what. That is an open question and something that I was planning on sort of figuring out as part of the putting this episode together back when it was going to be a little more fun. And then it just felt like I don't feel like dealing with this. I'm going to put this up because it really is pretty kick-ass. And it works. Anyway. Um, I hope everyone is taking care of themselves taking care of each other, and, and most importantly, right now, I, I'm saying a lot of crap, and, and I have strong opinions, and, uh, listen to each other. Don't... Who, whoever they are, um, listen more. It'll, it'll, it's... It's what we're all not doing. So... Do that.